Hey, RTTN family. Welcome to this week's podcast. We just want to take a second and welcome you if you're listening in your car, out for a walk, or you're on your break. We hope this message encourages and helps you in some way today. We pray God blesses you right where you are. Be sure and join in live on Sundays at 1030 a.m. Just visit rttn.church to check us out and get connected. Enjoy the message. Somebody said, you seriously going to preach? It's 5 till 12. Listen, I've been sitting on a stool for two weeks. I'm ready to holler for a minute. I want you to take your Bible and go to Matthew 6. LeBron, would you stand up? I want him to see that orange T on your shirt. I wrote a letter to the Kentucky Wildcat fans in the house but the Lord convicted me from reading it. So good game, that's all I wanna say, good game, good game, good game. Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Today I want to begin a series that's going to take us all the way to Easter, could even overflow after Easter, I don't know, but this is not a new subject for this house if you've been here for any amount of time at all. Uh, at least annually, oftentimes, and most of the time, biannually, you will hear me preach on the subject of the kingdom of God. It is the centerpiece message of this house. When we, and we preach on and we address a number of topics, but if you ever want to find out what makes this place tick and what we're about, this is what we continually revisit And somebody said, well, we've heard you preach on the kingdom. Jesus often preached what everybody had heard multiple times. Because just because you heard it once didn't mean you caught it. And one of the fallacies of education is that you you address it once and you get it. And sometimes it takes reinforcing a thing before we ever hear and able to receive the revelation God is trying to give us. And so every time we preach this, the measure of revelation of the kingdom grows in this house and people start understanding the kingdom as opposed to just church. Because if there's anything the, the world needs, it is less of our churchianity and more of the kingdom of God. And I want us to preach this for the next several weeks. I'm going to talk straight. I'm going to talk right down the middle. I'm going to preach about the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is the most preached subject of Jesus' sermon library. He talked about the kingdom more than he did anything else. And I think we talk less about it than we do anything. We talk about principles and we talk about how to and we talk about self-help and we got so much screwed up stuff in the, in the church because we have not preached the kingdom and we have preached our own, our own mechanisms. And I'm going to tell you, if we'll get back to talking about what Jesus talked about, he'll get back to doing what only he can do. Can you say amen? So today, I'm just telling you right now, I'm preaching. I want you to go to Matthew 6. Verse 9 and 10. And this is a two-scripture excerpt from what many call the Lord's Prayer, although I don't call it the Lord's Prayer. I believe the Lord's Prayer is found in the Gospel of St. John when he prayed to the Father that, that we would be one as he and the Father were one. That's really the Lord's Prayer. This is the model prayer where he's trying to teach his disciples who are inquiring How do we pray? Teach us to pray. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And he doesn't give them a formula. 
he gives them an outline of what prayer should consist of. But tucked within the content of the prayer is one of the most profound revelations that I think uh, that can ever be discovered by the people of God because Christ is here telling us that we can actually tap into and be a participant in the coming and the demonstration of the kingdom of God. And I want you to see this today in Matthew's gospel. I'm going to ask for a little bit more monitor if I could from the sound man. I'll pay you for it if I have to. Look at, look at Matthew 6, verse 9 and 10. Thank you. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to begin a series this morning called Thy Kingdom Come. How many want the kingdom of Jesus to come and be demonstrated? How many know if America needs anything, it's a demonstration of the kingdom of God? And how many can agree with me, we're not going to die before we see it happen, but in our generation, we're going to see a demonstration of the kingdom of God. If you believe it, give God some praise in this house right now. Come on. I'm going to ask you to stretch your hand and pray for me, and I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I bless the people of God now with a spirit of wisdom and revelation. May the Holy Ghost open the eyes of their understanding. May their ears be open to receive the word of the Lord. I pray for those in this room who have a shut door, that you would be the one standing at the door, knocking, trying to get in. So today we're going to let you in, Lord. We're going to let you in to give us revelation and divine wisdom that is beyond our education or training. Speak to us by the Holy Ghost, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And the people of God said, Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. kingdom of God was the most preached subject in the sermon library of Jesus Christ. It was the good news of the kingdom of God that he preached in his first sermon, his last sermon, and everyone he ever called or commissioned, he told them to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. The message of the kingdom was revolutionary in its content. Imagine with me Israel in the day of Jesus. She was roughly a nation of Five to 600,000 people, many who were poor peasants and farmers who were tradesmen working for very, very meager salaries, sometimes working for no salary at all. Their families were nuclear and tight-knit. They joined around the dinner table most every night. They all lived in a community together. They shared in the daily duties of housekeeping and farming, lived they lived uh, with one another in love, and if you know the Jewish culture at all, there was something special about the Jewish family, much that we could learn from the Jewish family in our day of separation and busyness. They understood the value of coming to the table together and talking about life and sharing the scriptures with their children and talking about the word of the Lord. And under this Jewish life in the day of Jesus was this dark Roman cloud hanging over their head. They were a vassal state of Rome and for nearly 40 years they remained a vassal state of Rome and after the death of Herod the Great, 
Rome decided that the territory of the Palestinians or the, Pal the territory of Palestine be divided among Herod's sons and they would rule over each di separate division as provincial rulers still under Roman authority and the Romans lived and occupied in their land and everything about this Roman occupation was hateful and resented by the Jews. From the oppressive taxes to the physical abuse that they experienced at the hands of Roman soldiers. And then there was this very repugnant idea that the God of Rome, the leader of Rome, Caesar himself, was to be worshipped as a God. And for a monotheistic people whose hearts were intent on worshipping Jehovah God alone, this was a disaster. It was the worst imaginable context that the people of God, Israel, could be living in. And then to further complicate the life of God's people, there is the religious scene of Jesus' day. It was fraught with all kind of hypocrisy. There, were, there was religious traditionalism everywhere. There were, there were four different sets of people in Jesus' day that comprised the Jewish folk. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Essenes and the Zealots. Uh, to Moses' Ten Commandments, over 611 additional commandments had been given to the Jewish people. And to complicate the matter worse, there were 400 years that the Jewish people had not heard the prophetic voice of God. There was no prophetic spiritual compass among the people of God. In fact, the high priest of Jesus' day really didn't get there because of spiritual appointment. They got there because of their political prowess and their evil connection to Herod the king and so we see a people that is living in a land that is full of sin and full of bondage and they're locked up in religion and there is no prophet and there, it doesn't look like there's any hope for these people who are under the, 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 the taskmaster of Rome and they are essentially slaves of the Roman Empire and then bursting onto the scene in that kind of environment comes a prophet through the womb of a priest named Elizabeth and the son of a priest named Zechariah and his name was John the Baptist and wearing camel hair eating locusts and wild honey and preaching with the fire of God in his soul he storms on to the scene that is surrounded by religion and he says repent for the kingdom of God is at hand I want to tell you that the kingdom of God doesn't wait on prime circumstances before it is demonstrated because God understands that the potency of the kingdom can pierce through any darkness and God will establish his kingdom Kingdom at the very ground zero of a hell's operation. God is never intimidated by darkness. God is never intimidated by evil. God is never intimidated by the schemes and strategies of evil men. At the end of the day, Psalm 109 said that our God is sovereign. He sits on an eternal throne and he establishes his kingdom in power. If you believe it, say amen. Bursting onto the scene came John the Baptist preaching the kingdom of God is near. 
And when he began to preach the kingdom of God, men began to leave their identifications. They began to leave their pockets of preference. They began to leave their their normal ways of living and they would get born again. They would repent in a wilderness, get baptized in a river, and they would come up walking in the newness of life as John preached the kingdom. And the reason he preached the kingdom is because the kingdom is now coming. The kingdom would now be demonstrated. And it would be demonstrated in four different ways because if you understand anything about kingdoms at all, you know that there are four common components of every kingdom regardless of the kingdom. Number one, there is the king. If you're going to have a kingdom, you've got to have a king. Number two is the territory. If you're going to have a kingdom, you've got to have a territory to rule over. Number three, you've got to have citizens of the kingdom. And number four, you've got to have a constitution and a law that governs the kingdom. God, I wish I had time today. When John the Baptist began to preach about the kingdom of God, this was a very different kind of kingdom. And you might ask yourself, why would God come to establish the kingdom? It is because that he always intended for the earth to have a demonstration of his kingdom. Adam messed that up in the garden. The original intent of God was that God would operate through the authority he delegated to a man named Adam and his wife. It's why God in Genesis 2 looked at Adam and said, be fruitful and multiply. Take dominion and rule over everything that I put within your care. But you know the story Adam and Eve were deceived and they fell through taking what was forbidden and in their taking the forbidden they were robbed of the delegated authority that they had been given by God. The first Adam lost everything but I'm glad that the Bible doesn't end with the first Adam. If you keep on reading and you keep flipping through the page of the word of God you will find that the first Adam lost the authority the first Adam lost his place the first Adam lost his power the first Adam lost everything that God had decided to give him but in the garden what was lost in Genesis 2 in one garden there was a last Adam that came to another garden oh I wish I had time to preach today about the last Adam the first Adam lost it all but the last Adam went to a place called Gethsemane and said father if it be your will let this cup pass from me sitting as a puppet king on the throne of the Jewish nation was Herod then you have Caesar who had set himself up on the throne of Rome as a god Uh, then you have the high priests who were not really appointed by spiritual purposes but they were appointed through political connectivity and then you have this then you have this prophet named named Isaiah and he says something profound in the midst of all of the kings of the earth striving over the thrones on the earth Isaiah said you're confused about the kind of king that God has in mind ah the kind of king that God has in mind doesn't come through political connection. He doesn't come through payment. He doesn't come because he he knew some people in a back room somewhere. No, no, no. Isaiah said if you want to understand the kind of king that is on the way, you got to look to a virgin womb of a girl named Mary. For the Bible said a virgin shall give birth and they shall can't call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, God, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace, and of his rule and kingdom there shall be no 
end. Oh, today I came to preach about the king of our kingdom. You can't have a kingdom without a king. I just want to tell you that my king is not sitting in Washington. My king is not on a throne in Nairobi, Kenya. My king was born through a virgin womb. His name shall be called Wonderful. He is the king of glory. His name is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Somebody give Jesus praise. I am thankful that I am living in a kingdom and I have a king who is a very different kind of king than the kings of the earth. I was, I was just in Washington this past week. I got a call to go to D.C. for the Justice Summit. And so I'm sitting in the room and we're talking about justice and we're talking about e e equality and we're talking about rights and we're talking about helping everybody and being the kind of nation where everybody has a place. And I believe that, that's why I went there. But I'm also sitting there thinking to myself, this mess will never get unjacked up until we get a king on the throne. I want to tell you that we should live our lives and use all our energy to fight for justice. Justice in the womb and justice outside of the womb. But make no mistake about it. No matter who or how much you love them, every man or woman ever elected to a seat of authority will always fall short of the intent and heart of God to demonstrate and manifest the kind of kingdom that all of us will find our purpose and place in. That is why you can never connect all your ducks to the party in Washington that you like the best. You don't have to say amen, just sit out there and take it for a minute. They will always lie. They will always let us down. They will always fall short. But I'm preaching today not about a man who was voted in. I'm preaching today about a man who was born king. And whenever, oh my God, whenever you look to Jesus, he'll never let you down. He'll never lie to you. He's not the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. Can you say amen? Our kingdom has a king. He's a different kind of king. He doesn't come in in pomp and circumstance riding on a steaming white stallion prancing down the road of Washington, D.C. telling everybody how powerful he is. Zechariah said, behold, our king comes to us riding on the back of a donkey. This isn't the kind of king that the world knows. It's why the princes of this world crucified him. Had they known he was the king, they would have never crucified the Lord. But they missed his kingship because he doesn't come in flexing his muscles. He doesn't come in wielding a sword. He comes in and says, let the greatest among you be the servant of all. I'm telling you, this is a different kind of king. My kingdom has a king. He's the king of the Jew and the king of the Gentile. Somebody asked me while I was in Washington this week, what color was Jesus? 
I said, I don't know what color he was, but his blood was red. And because his blood was red and he spilt it on Calvary, it makes no difference to me if he was red, yellow, black, or white. He's the son of the living God. I will continually and forever bow my knee to his lordship. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will abide forever to hell with racism. We need a revival of love in this nation, and it will not happen without the kingdom of God. I feel like running all the way to City Hall. I feel the power of God in this room today. Slap your neighbor, tell them we have a king. And I don't know how far I'll get into this. The king is not your preacher. I went to Washington this week and I went from the Justice Summit and I was invited, a special group of people there got an invitation to go to the White House. So I went to the White House. You say, why do we you go to the White House? Because it won't change unless I get in there. My God, we can't change it sitting in Chattanooga. But if we ever get in there, start opening our mouth and telling the truth. You better help me preach in here today. This thing ain't gonna change while we got media moguls and sports people talking about their different gods and the preachers are sitting in their office writing books and not talking about it. This thing will only change when kingdom people open up their mouth and talk about the kingdom. This is what you get when I sit on a stool for two weeks. I'm about to blow up on the inside. I've been carrying this thing all week long. I've been preaching to myself in the bathroom. I fell out and caught myself. It was so real. I'm telling you, God is good. We got a king. And if you try to put Jesus in their seat and in their context, it don't work so well. That's why you got to be careful who you glorify. Church. I went into the White House and Vice President Pence walked in the room and when he came in, he had his bodyguards, the Secret Service. Jesus never had a secret service. It's amazing how many preachers have a secret service. Now, I believe in security. And there are some crazy people that don't like me, so I have Chris. And other security brothers in this house. And they are trained in how to protect people. Why do you do that? Because I care about you and I want to live to be 120 like the Bible said I could. And I'm not going to let some moron who has a demon try to do something stupid that'll get us all in a mess, that's why. But some people, some preachers, don't act much like the king. You can't be a shepherd if you don't smell like sheep. You are more untouchable than Jesus, the son of God was. And he came in and, I, you know, I could tell they're loaded. I mean, these guys have guns. 
I'm sitting there listening, listening to a person told me this is the second most powerful man in the world. I said, who's the first? And they said, you know who, President Trump. I said, my God. If the preacher thinks the most powerful man in the world is the president of the United States, we don't have a kingdom revelation. Y'all not hearing me. I know women that roll their hair up in curlers and walk in nightgowns through their neighborhood praying in the Holy Ghost that are far more terrifying than the gates of hell than an elected politician. Do you hear what I'm telling you right now? Do I believe we ought to pray for our president? Absolutely. Do I believe we ought to keep our mouth shut on, on, on hurting men and women of God and, and those that stand for righteousness? We ought not talk about people, but my God, don't ever forget that those who are citizens in the kingdom of God have authority that is not of this world. It is greater. We have a king. You can't have a kingdom without a king. Jesus is the king of our kingdom. Well, if you're going to have a kingdom, you not only have to have a king, you have to have a territory. And the territory of the kingdom is found in Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's. Period. Well, Brother Wallace, the earth is so and so. No, the earth is the Lord's. Period. That's why when I got to Washington on Tuesday, I called Devin. I told Devin, I said, the Holy Ghost, I was cooking steak at the house. And we had some stuff on the grill. And the Holy Ghost got on me and I started praying in the spirit. And God said, I want you to go to Washington a little early and I want you to walk around and pray. I thought, Lord, I can pray here. He said, nope, I want your feet to get on the property. Well, why do you want that, Lord? Because everywhere the sole of your foot touches belongs to you. So I got there early and got off the plane and got on the little metro. I got my hat on and my little, I'm just chilling. And I'm walking all over the Supreme Court and, the, and the, the bodyguards there and the policemen's, they looking at me because I'm not talking in English. And I'm not trying to cause a scene, but God doesn't care if you cause a scene when his glory gets down on you. I didn't do it to, to cause a scene, but I couldn't help but cause one. I'm just walking around praying in the Holy Ghost and these people, they're on their way at radios. And I just kept walking around. And I kept, I walked around. I don't know, I walked till my feet hurt around the Supreme Court. And you say, Pastor, what did God show you? He said, bind the spirit of witchcraft coming against this court. You want to know how to pray? Bind the spirit of witchcraft coming against the Supreme Court. Demon spirits trying to take our, uh, the halls of our courts and pervert them. And I hear the Lord saying, I'm going to let the courts of America line up with the courts of heaven and I'm going to establish my righteous way, saith the Lord. Then I got over to the Capitol. I said, Lord, what do you want me to pray for here? And I'm walking around the Capitol. He said, there are demon spirits of division. So I started walking. I got, I'm walking, Lord, I walked till my feet hurt. I'm walking, I bind every demon spirit of division. I bind it in the name of, I'm tired and I got a, I got a seven o'clock dinner appointment and I got to walk three miles to get there. I said, the devil is a liar. I'm going to Uber right now in Jesus' name. 
Well, I went to Uber and there was no Uber available for 12 minutes. I didn't have 12 minutes to wait, so I thought, as crazy as it is, I'm getting a DC cab. Oh, Lamb of God. Somebody say territory. I'm tired, my feet are hurting, I gotta get to a restaurant. I've been praying in the Holy Ghost for hours. I've been praying and taking authority and just, just tearing it down. Come down in the name. I'm telling you, I felt victory get all over me. Somebody said, did you get a, one of these people said, sir, would you, they must have, I must have looked like I was hurting. They said, do you want to rent a scooter? I said, no, that devil is a liar. I'm not getting on no scooter. I'm getting an Uber for the glory of God. No Uber, so I said, I'm gonna get a cab. It was rush hour. I'm trying to get a cab and no cab. Everybody's got a cab. And this dude drives by. Cab. Nobody in it. And I don't point at him. He points at me. <laughs> he opened. He said, you need a ride? I said, I need a ride. I get in. This is the truth before Jesus Christ. There is a song playing on the radio. He's what, here's what he said to me. Sir, I've been waiting on you all day long. I said, you've been waiting on me? He said, I've been waiting on you all day long. And he took his, he was from Nigeria. Hey, come on in here, somebody. Chocolate and white chocolate, hallelujah. He, he said, I've been waiting on you all day long. He turned the volume up and the song was singing this. Let the anointing fall on me. Let the anointing fall on me. Power of Pentecost. I'm telling you, my feet stopped hurting. You say, Pastor, what's the point? My point is that when I'm in Chattanooga, I belong to him. And when I get on a plane and go to DC, I belong to him. And when I go to the different places we go to throughout the earth, when the brothers here go to Uruguay and they spread the gospel everywhere our sole of our foot touches, it belongs to us. I'm telling you, God's not just God in your bedroom. He's God in your job. He's God on the mission field. The earth is the Lord's. He's the king of the kingdom. When God sends us on an assignment somewhere, you don't have to wonder if he goes before you because wherever you're going already belongs to him. You're not going to establish something. You're going to declare it's already done. That man was playing... Let the anointing follow me. I said, brother, what is this song? He said, oh, God told me the next person that was going to get in the car. I had to play this song. I said, brother, where are you from? He said, Nigeria. He said, and I believe, I'm getting ready to run right here. He said, I believe in the miracle working power of Jesus Christ. I went like this. Me too. I believe in the miracle-working power of Jesus Christ. I not only believe in it, I am one. I'm a walking, living, breathing, moving miracle. Somebody take 10 seconds and shout. Territory. Yeah. 
Every kingdom has one. God's kingdom simply says, the earth is the Lord's. Everywhere you go, walk in there, and when they ask you who do you think you are, just ask them how much time do you have? What gives you the right to walk Washington, D.C., declaring revival is coming in my generation? What gives you that right? My daddy owns that piece of property. I ain't never been to my mama and my daddy's house and wanted to come in and them not let me in because anything they got, I got access to. Glory to God. And we got people sitting in churches scared to walk out of their house on Monday morning because they're afraid they're going to encounter some kind of resistance. I want to tell you right now, instead of the, the saints being terrified, I think it's time for the devil to get a little nervous. Instead of you being scared to wake up in the morning, it ought to be hell that shakes when your alarm clock goes off and your feet hit the floor and you wake up and say, God, thank you for one more day to terrorize darkness and to bring glory to you in my life. Well, somebody shout one more time. I feel a shout. Territory. Somebody said, why are you praising him? I'm praising him because when she said hallelujah, I felt it from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Hallelujah. Territory. This thing, look at it. Study your Bible. It's always about the land. The fight is always about the land all the way back to Genesis. The fight is about the land. And there is always somebody standing on land that belongs to God and his people. And there is always an attack trying to take the land. Why? Because Satan understands the power of territory. And he would, come on in here, y'all. It's why Jesus took the disciples, put them in a boat, got them out on a lake, knowing in advance he was going to go through a storm. Why did he go through all that? Because there was a territory on the other side of the lake that belonged to the people of God. But there were some pig herders that were full of the devil that had led to a man being demon possessed by thousands of demons and Jesus knew if I'm going to free that territory I got to go free that man because as long as that man has those demons living in that territory that territory will never understand the power of God but when Jesus stepped off the boat he put 
put his foot on the land and when he stood on the territory the man full of demons ran up and fell down and began to worship the Lord and the next time you see him he is sitting down by Christ clothed and in his right mind and before God delivered the man the demon said will you permit us don't kick us out of the territory because we got to keep the land will you let us get into the pigs Jesus said of course I will he cast the demons out they got in the pigs and even the pigs didn't want to deal with the devil so they ran off the side of the cliff and God freed the territory why are you saying all that because you and I can't keep allowing enemy held territory Amen. what are you saying brother Wallace I'm saying what Jesus said in Luke 19 verse 13 occupy Brother Wallace, we like it much better when you sit on a stool and you talk. I did it, but I ain't doing it today. Today, I came to holler and to preach loud and very clearly that you were not saved and born again to warm a pew. Woo! You are saved, washed from your sins, filled with the Holy Ghost, and given the Word of God so that, oh God, every morning you wake up and walk out of your house, every step you take, you declare to the enemy, this land belongs to God and his people. I'm almost done. I'm not going to get finished today. Territory. Every single kingdom has to have a king and a territory. What are we going to go out at Miller Park for, Brother Wallace? Hot and Lord, mosquitoes and whatnot, and Lord have mercy and just, ugh. And the same people hollering grabbed their little seat and went to Riverbend. I'm coming for you today. I'm coming for you today. Yeah. And you know what? You'll go to Riverbend this year and you'll listen to Brother Lionel Richie melt the house down. I got nothing wrong with Lionel. He's one of my favorites. But if I can endure the heat, the heat and the skeeters for Lionel, I can wake up early on a Sunday morning and grab my family and get downtown and open up my mouth and say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy. Why are we doing that? Because Chattanooga belongs to Jesus. There is a kingdom. Every kingdom has a king. And every kingdom has a territory. And your territory, your ability to take territory is as available and possible as your willingness to believe God can give it to you. Psalm 2 verse 8 and I'm closing. Ask of me, saith the Lord. Ask of me and see if I will not give you the heathen for your inheritance. 
Some churches are satisfied having a great Sunday morning church service. I'm not. Amen. I'm telling you right now. I've been getting so stirred up. I believe 2019 is a year of preparation. 2020 is going to be a year of explosion and expansion. You say, what does that mean, Pastor? I believe we're going to have more campuses than the one you're sitting in. Well, I'm nervous. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. I done been through this before. This is where I'll be the rest of my life. This city, I built my house three minutes from here. I'll be here for the rest of my life. But I'm telling you right now, this place was called to be an epicenter. And as God shakes through it, the reverberations in this house will shake a region. I believe this with all my heart. Why are you saying this? Because territory is important to God. And too many times in the church, we sit in our crystal cathedrals and our polished palaces. But I just believe God's raising up a tribe of people who are hungry not just to have a great service on Sunday morning. They want to see entire regions turned upside down for the glory of God. Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you this right now. In this last day, there is an apostolic thing happening in the earth. And it, listen to me very carefully. And I pray no one misunderstands the nature of what I'm getting ready to say. And I know what I'm getting ready to say could be misunderstood. But I want you to hear me very carefully. The Lord knows the purity of my heart when I say it. If we don't get divorced from our denominational, myopic, me and my church thinking, we will never see the fullness of the kingdom manifested in our generation as long as it's y'all and us. Them and us can't take territory when we're divided. I went to this justice summit this past week and I heard a statement that I've heard at least a hundred times in my life over my journey with Jesus. And it was this. The church hour on Sunday morning is still the most segregated hour in America throughout the week. I've heard it a hundred times if I've heard it once. I sat there and heard it again and got sick at my stomach. Amen. Because what I want to say is, what have we done about it? What have we done to fix it? We cater to our own preferences. I'm telling you right now, until a city knows how to have church with one another and red, yellow, black, and white, Latino, and Mexican, and Guatemalan, and American, prejudice is innate in many of us. That means it's buried deep in our soul. We don't even understand that many times our hate and racism and prejudice is generational. I'm telling you, there's a kingdom move happening in the earth that the devil don't know what to do about. I I told you, I, I tweeted out about this, something, Facebook, whatever, got on Devin's nerves, whatever it was. I did ancestry DNA for my Christmas present to myself. You should always buy yourself a gift for Christmas. In the case nobody else does. Which this year I got a nice gift, but I, I, I ordered ancestry DNA and I knew this. I knew that the majority of my DNA came from Scotland and Ireland. 
I knew much of it came from Europe. But I'm telling you right now, I had camp meeting when I found out that a part of my bloodline came from the Republic of Congo in Africa. This is a true story. I said, Lord, I started looking at my family tree and I got fourth cousins that are people of color. Now, why are you telling me this? Because I want to. Because some of you need to get over. Oh, I can't go there because I want to preach my, let me go there. Just let me go there for a minute. I got a few minutes. The third thing is the, is the citizens of the kingdom. I'll finish this part next week. But I'm telling you right now, we got to stop being identified by inferior identification. I'm white. You're what many would call black. But neither of those are the premium identifier of our lives. I'm not white and you're not. Before I'm white and before you're black, we're both brothers in the kingdom of God. There are people sitting in here who don't believe that. It's because you don't have a revelation of the kingdom yet. When you get a revelation of the kingdom, you can look in the mirror. I was born three blocks, raised three or four blocks from this building right here. People could look at me and have looked at me and say, uh, what good could come out of East Lake? People could look at you and say, what good could come out of your life? Some of you may look in the mirror and you may see yourself and you may say, you know what? My age is against me. My color is against me. My past is against me. What I want to tell you is that citizens of the kingdom are not defined or identified. Go ahead, Sam Rodriguez and I and several other pastors had a meeting, a lunch meeting this week, and Sam said something that was first wild, but then I thought the more I thought about it, it's remarkable. He's writing an entire article right now on the getting rid of the term minorities in America. And he said, because Sam Rodriguez is uh, Hispanic, and he's very, he prayed at the, uh, he prayed at two inaugurations. He's pray, he's a, a, a powerful man of God, but he's Hispanic. And he said he grew up most of his life thinking that was a handicap because people kept looking at him saying, Sam, you're a minority. And he said to me this past week, who am I a minority to? Just because there are more white people than there are Hispanic people, I'm a minority. He said, which one of them prayed at the presidential inauguration? It's a true story. You know what it is? For all of us, age, demographics. I want you to get to a place where you get so 
connected to a revelation of who you are in the kingdom that nobody ignorant walking on this planet trying to tell you you can't because of who you are and who your mom and daddy are and the color of your skin. Listen, you mess with me long enough, not only will I not be renting from you, I'll own your entire apartment complex. How do you know that? Because my daddy owns it all. And I'm going to say this and I'm through. Sometimes we fight for what's already ours. And I believe God's going to let us hear and receive some things over the next several weeks that are going to break off of us limiting religious mindsets and release us to be everything God ever called us to be. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you get a revelation of who you are in Christ, I don't care how much they hate and how many haters there are, they cannot stop you from being who God called you to be. If you know your God, you will be strong and do great exploits. And I'm, I don't know about anybody else in here, but for the rest of my life, I want to be dedicated. Amen to demonstrating a kingdom that everybody can belong yes. and be significant and find their purpose in. Amen. One, uh, one of the people in this meeting I was in, they looked at me and they said, Pastor Wallace, We've watched your church from a distance. And we see a picture. I didn't say this. Now, I've said this before, but not in their presence. They said it just looks sometimes like heaven on earth. And I give God the glory for that, all the glory. But there has to be more of heaven on earth. Because I believe this with all my heart until the church can demonstrate to the world what heaven looks like. Until the church can get its mess together. We have no prophetic right and no prophetic authority to stand and rebuke the division in our nation while it is as prevalent in the church as it is in the streets of our cities. If this house can't be a house of all nations for all people, every generation, every race, every culture, every person from every, if it can't be that, then let's close the doors and go sell hot dogs and chicken and car insurance because the kingdom of God is not me and my kind. It is everybody from every nation, every place, every race coming together, finding their seat at the table of God's brotherhood. And every time I preach on the kingdom, I get into these waters and I tick several people off. And if you're one of them today, God bless you, I love you, but it ain't gonna change. We're gonna love in this house and we're gonna demonstrate the kingdom in this place. And we're going to see people from every single walk of life, every race, every color. Pastor, you said you were closing. I'm sorry. This is my heart. This is the heart of this house.
and I don't I don't profess to have the greatest systems in my mind, the greatest I don't profess us to be the greatest program structured church but what I do declare we're going to be is a place for everybody we're going to love everybody we're going to welcome everybody our leadership is going to be diverse our ministry is going to be diverse it's going to look like a picture of heaven on earth and at the end of the day all the glory is going to go to Christ Jesus stand with me I'm through Well, we've had a bunch of people saved already today. But the kingdom of God is not just getting people saved. The kingdom of God is getting people in their position and in their purpose. And there are some precious saints in this place today. They love Jesus. How many have ever heard this phrase? They have a kingdom mentality. How many have ever heard that phrase before? That person has a kingdom mentality. One of my dearest friends in the city is a young pastor doing an amazing work here. They're pastoring an exploding church in this city, 10 miles from here. Tavner Smith and Venue Church. One of my dearest friends. When he came to Chattanooga, you go call him and ask him if this is the truth. When he came to this city five years ago, I found out he was planning a church in Chattanooga. Spirit of God spoke to me in prayer one day and said, call him and take him to lunch. I called him. I said, you don't know me, but I pastor a church here in the city. He said, I know you. I've heard about you. I was told to look you up when I got here. I said, oh, God. I said, I want to take you to lunch. I took him to lunch and sat him down at lunch. He had just come from a meeting with four preachers in this city. Two of them looked at him and said, why are you here? We don't need another church. One of them looked at him and said, this ain't ever going to work for you. You'll never get it off the ground. I looked at him, I said, you know what? Terrorize hell in this city. Just give the devil fits. I said, in fact, what can I do to help you? He said, I don't have any chairs. This is a true story. We went and bought him 250 chairs. Our church. You say, pastor, in this city? You mean you're not in competition? See, that's the kind of devil that keeps the church bound in all kind of religion right there. He's exploding. Different campuses. Well, he's competent. See, you thinking that way reveals your lack of kingdom thinking. I want to be a kingdom man with a kingdom mentality. And I just feel like today we need to pray for people to have a shift in their thinking. I feel like today we need to pray for our church to have a kingdom mentality. When you get out of your my church thinking into his kingdom thinking, you start thinking big things. Oh, if I started sharing with you what was on my heart, it'd scare you to death. Oh, Brother Wallace, we can't do that. That's why I don't tell you, because if you do, you'll tell me we can't. And God already told me we could. How many want to have a kingdom mentality? Will you lift your hands with me right now? And let me tell you something while your hands are lifted. The only way to get a kingdom mentality is to repent. Amen. Repent is often thought of as, Lord, I'm sorry for sin. But sometimes repent, the Greek word metanoia means to change your mind. 
Lord, you see every hand lifted today. I want to have a changed mind. I want us to have a kingdom. A kingdom mentality. I want to think kingdom thoughts. Lord, I don't want to be locked into my kind and my preference. I don't want to be locked into a place or a room that keep other people out. I want people to be born again by the Spirit in this room. And I want us to live and love like Jesus lived and loved. I pray that there would be something happen in Chattanooga that would bring such honor and glory to you. That when people drive on the interstate through this city, there would be such an expression of the kingdom being manifested here that they have to pull off and find out. And I pray that when they pull off the interstate and go looking for that church in revival, instead of looking for one, they find <laughs> dozens and dozens. In fact, when they pull off the interstate looking for that multicultural church that is full of love and miracles are happening, may it not be they come looking for one or two, but may there be dozens and dozens manifesting. Oh, my shataku rabatai. In this city where Billy Graham took down the ropes of separation in his crusade and said there will no longer be a black section and a white section, God, may it be a prophetic announcement to a nation that red, yellow, black, and white, yellow, and brown can come sit together at the table of God's brotherhood and find communion in the presence of the Lord. Holy God, come on, church, just one more time. Lift your hands. Spirit, do the work in this house. Knit our hearts together, Holy Ghost.